Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Play Choices podcast, a podcast you hear. I'm your host, V. Welcome. Hi, I'm your co-host, Lucas. How's everyone doing? Happy Valentine's. Valentine's Day. <laughs> oh, my God. Will you be on Valentine? Oh, duh. <laughs> I didn't even th- I didn't even think we had to ask. <laughs> oh, that's right. we'll, t- we'll, we'll talk about this off off uh, off recording. Okay. <laughs> right. Off 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 camera. Off camera. <laughs> What have you, what are you, what are you doing for Valentine's other than, you know, spending time with yours truly? Um, you know, like I just said earlier, made some spicy chili. We are going to record this and then maybe like a little, you know, dead by daylight action. You know, I had a very productive morning, you know, you know, my usual Sunday morning laundry, grocery, clean my room, you know? Right. Errands. Like I, you know, my Valentine is like. 1500 miles away so oh. i got to take care of myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah i also ran groceries this morning and there is nothing more capitalistic in nature than going to a very like low budget grocery store mm-hmm. and seeing the two displays of roses mm-hmm. <laughs> in the front mm-hmm. yeah it was like nine in the morning i got there and i was like of course like it was i almost forgot it was valentine's day and then i saw the roses and they had all of these like because I, I go to like a budget grocery store the ones where they they don't like um even unbox the shit they just be putting the boxes yeah, on there. Yes. <laughs> so i saw this like ripped open box of those really cheap like valentine's day chocolates i said oh y'all were desperate <laughs> it looks like someone fought their way into the chocolate box <laughs> And I saw like three people going across the the flower display. I said, "Oh, y'all are having a time." You know what's so crazy? I'm almost more likely to forget someone's birthday than I am Valentine's Day. Like all these husbands like running around last minute. Like, can we do better? I have seen that many men this morning at the grocery store trying to buy flowers. I really should not have. Like, exactly, exactly, honestly. Yeah, no, and then I called my mama. My mama was like, happy Valentine's Day. I said, bitch, I, I just left the store and I already forgot. No. <laughs> it's just like nowhere nowhere on my mind. Mm-hmm. Although I did buy myself um some Pringles today as a little Valentine's Day treat for myself. I bought some Pringles too, salt and vinegar Pringles. We have very limited flavor at my budget grocery store, y'all. Like they only had, they only had original um, cheddar and sour cream. Yeah, that is very, very limited. At this point, I don't even know why they still make original. Did you get original? I grabbed one short can of original and one short can of sour cream. I knew it. I, I, the, the moment you said sour cream, I'm like, I know for sure she got that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm a little bit of a original whore. <laughs> to me, I'm not original with, like, Pringles. Like, no, I just feel like I can have like original Lay's, like the potato chips. But like when it comes to original Pringles, I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. But I'm like, where's the flavor? <laughs> so here's the thing: Did I eat that entire short can in one sitting of the original? Yes. And then I was like, that 500 calories of just chips, not enough. Let me go get a fistful of a the fistful. sour cream. A fistful. Yeah. So I took the fistful, dumped it out into a little bowl, so I didn't just sit there and eat the whole can. Mm-hmm. And I'm eating it, and I said, wow, this one has so much more flavor. I don't it know what I was flavor. playing. 
I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I was like, I don't know why I played myself. <laughs> I really don't know why. We should probably start talking about the fucking. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm so sorry, guys. Happy <laughs> um, Now it's time to open our heart up to oh discussions. We will not be recording for this episode another chapter of Ride or Die. We we are going to continue recording chapters of Ride or Die, but we're we're pivoting over to a new era, a new genre. So we're going to be discussing the first chapter of Open Heart Book One. So this episode is not going to be spoiler safe. So if you want to avoid spoilers for Book One, Chapter One of Open Heart, please read that first. And we'll be back for you to you know come back here and listen thank you lucas for the last episode of giving Mm -hmm. me the the polite way of how Mm -hmm. to say that more so than just go (laughs) (laughs) right we are we're no longer just cursing people out at the beginning of the podcast i think it's maybe because i haven't worked like a customer service job in a couple years i just like lost all sense of professionalism (laughs) in, in terms of talking to other people so lucas had to remind me how to speak to individuals <laughs> i had to bring you back to your roots a little bit thank you thank you you know you put a bitch in corporate for two years and she just forgets everything <laughs> um i do have some like starting notes so i feel like That's it's going to take a little bit of time before we get into the chapter content um but i just feel like there's some like behind the scenes stuff related to this podcast and related to just the choices app in general that I want to I want to address before we talk about open heart. Is that okay with you? I'm down with it. Let's do it. Is it okay if you know we take a little detour on this on this journey that we're calling Open Heart Book One Chapter One? Yes, I love that. Let's take a little pit stop. I want to talk first. There's two things I want to talk about, but first I want to talk about the structure of the episodes for this podcast. This is very like podcast specific related topic. If you follow us on our socials, that's at Play Choices Pod on Twitter and at Play Choices Podcast both on Instagram and Tumblr because I have to plug. Mm-hmm. If you follow us on those accounts, you might have noticed that I conducted a poll this week to figure out how to release our longer episodes. If you listen to episode three, it was like two and a half hours of amazing content. Amazing. I loved that episode. I loved listening back to it. I thought we had a really great discussion. Mm-hmm. But I think overall, um, two and a half hours of content is a lot to release yes. on like a weekly basis. <laughs> Not only is it a lot of work to like produce a two and a half hour podcast, but I also think of me and my own listening habits. And I wonder how many people actually listen to a two hour podcast. And I just want to let's let's call it give you give you listeners a behind the scenes of what it takes to like bring this podcast from us recording currently on the on February 14th to it launching the Saturday after. And I'm just going to be, you know, I'm not looking for any sympathy or pity when I say this, but it is a lot of work and I want to give those of you who have may never tried to launch a podcast some understanding of like what all goes into launching this because it is a lot to manage in a week. So we record typically on Sundays. Yes. I feel like that's a fair statement, right? On Sundays. So if you do want to send in anything and you want us to answer it prior to our next recording, we record on Sundays. So get it to us, you know, on Saturday night. That's your deadline. Right. So 
on Saturday, I read the chapter, I write down my notes, I write down my discussion questions, I'm looking for screenshots if they're relevant, I'm watching YouTube playthroughs to see how like different choices can impact different outcomes or dialogue options, or even looking at like how different LI scenes play out so that way I can, you know, speak fairly to each LI in the episode. Then we record on Sunday. That can take anywhere from like an hour to three hours historically yes. for us. Yes. And then after we finish recording on Sunday, I edit the podcast, which like quite literally takes hours. And some some days it takes longer than others. And I can't really describe like what the reasoning for that is. But last Sunday, we recorded that two and a half hour episode on Ride or Die. I would say that we probably finished recording at probably what, 5.30 p.m.? Yeah, it was. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. I was editing the audio up until midnight. Oh don't God. ask me why it took that long but it really did <laughs> like <laughs> sometimes sometimes i can truly get like i think the first episode that was like an hour and 45 minutes i was able to finish finish editing that probably i want to say anywhere from like seven to nine i can't quite remember that was two weeks ago but sometimes it just takes longer and it, it just does i i was sitting there at midnight texting my friend i was like why is it taking me so long to do this <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what it is. And then, so if I do all that on Sunday night, on Monday night, I'm making all the graphics for the podcast. So like that includes the audio clips with the subtitles that I post, the pictures for our Instagram and Instagram stories, any screenshots for the game. I'm formatting our bingo, making the thumbnail for YouTube. I'm coming up with a cover art that goes on all the streaming platforms for each episode. And then on Tuesday night, I will sit down and come up with like the social media schedule. And that's how I manage what content goes up at one time and so yeah that's like three days of work and then throughout the week i'm also managing our socials so yeah. if you see play choices podcast like liking something commenting on something sharing something talking to you responding to you it's it's me it's v hi that's me and if it sounds like a lot that's because it is and the longer the episode the more content there is to manage in a week if this were my full-time job, like if I was making my current salary for this, I'd be all for it. This podcast really isn't bringing us in any money. I think the last time I checked, I probably had a dollar and 28 cents from ad revenue. I mean, we, I would joke and say that we could buy a Snickers bar, but I don't even know if we can afford the taxes on a Snickers bar right now <laughs> with the current payout. <laughs> and again, this is a passion project for us. Mm -hmm. We're not looking to like become a millionaire off of this podcast, but I just want to illustrate that like I have a full-time job. Lucas has two jobs. Yep. We do not spend every waking second of the day thinking like this is our main source of income. So everything we do is just like an additional hobby for us to do throughout the week. And again, I will repeat, I am not asking for anyone to feel bad for me. Obviously, no one has a gun to my head and has forced me to do this podcast. <laughs> Clearly. I picked the episodes back up because remember, if you listen to our one and a half episode, I, I've talked about how we had started this podcast in 2019 and I, I just dropped it because it was I, I was putting a lot of shit on my own plate and I had to let it go. 
And I picked the episodes back up because I do genuinely enjoy recording. Like I love speaking to Lucas about the book content. I love seeing you all like react and talk to us. It's, it's very rewarding to me. I kind of had a moment where I got like a little bit emotional this week, like a little bit because like someone had like shouted out our podcast and we were just getting like some nice comments across all of our platforms. And I was like, (laughs) oh my God. (laughs) so it is like it is rewarding like I'm not I'm not sitting here like being like oh my god it's so much fucking work like realistically if I hated it I would just stop doing it so the fact that we're here every week doing this like shows that we want to do this you know mm-hmm. but let's say that you know Lucas and I we have a week that isn't all shiny and perfect whether it's like a family emergency one of us is sick we're just not in a good space mentally this is a lot of work to manage when we really aren't getting paid to do it. And it would make our lives a lot easier in many ways to take these episodes that end up being longer than an hour and a half and split them up. Yeah. So I say all of that, that huge, I probably talked for like, what, seven minutes there um, <laughs> to give you some context. So across our socials earlier this week, I had put up a poll asking you, our listeners, if you would prefer to listen to either longer episodes or if you would prefer that we split those episodes up. So that would mean if we had an episode that was over an hour and a half, we would split the audio in half and we would publish the half as separate episodes. So part one would be released that Saturday and then part two would be released the next Saturday. So there'd be a week apart from each other in terms of publishing. Again, the reason my reasoning is I think it would be easier on us and I also think for some people that might be easier for their attention spans because I don't know if putting up like a two and a half hour episode is too long for some of our listeners. So I put up this poll. When I tell you at the final hour y'all came in and made that vote 50-50, I got 22 votes and it literally landed at 50-50. That means 11 of you voted for longer episodes and 11 of you voted for shorter episodes. I appreciate your input, but I will tell you, I don't know where that takes us. Right, right. <laughs> From a result perspective, I don't know what the right thing to do is because half of you want longer episodes and half of you don't. So I'm kind of damned if I do, damned if I don't kind of in a situation. Right, right. really though. So at this very moment as we're recording, I haven't really made a decision yet. Like I haven't decided, oh, I'm only going to do either longer or shorter episodes. To be honest with you, I might switch back and forth as my life kind of requires. Mm -hmm. But I want everyone to know who's listening that if I do release a longer episode, it's not ever in spite of the people who want a shorter episode. And if I split an episode in half, it's not in spite of the people who want longer ones. Like, trust me, I understand if you're listening to an episode, it may be difficult to kind of, you know, pick it back up the next week. I I get that. But I think there's a lot of benefits for um, a certain percentage of the listeners, 50% to be exact, and a lot of benefits for us as hosts. I also think the bright side of splitting up an episode is that we get to get ahead of our recordings because currently we're just recording week to week. Yeah. So if we can get ahead and one of us can't record for a certain week, it means we won't need to skip a week and we can still provide you all with some sort of content. So yeah, that's kind of my my announcement in terms of, you know, the podcast and how we how we release episodes. Is that is there anything you want to add, Lucas? No, you you did that as as producer, as host, you you handled that. And I completely agree with everything you said. Thank you. The other kind of more serious thing that I want to talk about, which Lucas, I don't think I've had a conversation with you about this, but 
on Twitter, there were some former Choices writers who let public that they were laid off from Pixelberry, aka the parent company of Choices, due to restructuring. So all of the former employees who came out, their names are Jen, Jake, and Rachel. Jen wrote for Endless Summer, Mismatch, and The Heist, Monaco. Jake wrote for A Quotation of Rome, Mismatch, and Blaze of Light and Shadow. And Rachel wrote for Class Act, Mismatch, and High School Story. As much as we love to share our critiques, both like lighthearted and serious for this app, it, I think in any situation, it sucks to see someone let go. I was laid off a couple of months ago. That shit sucked. It's not for the faint of heart, especially in the middle of this pandemic, panoramic, parabola, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it sucks. So if you're in the industry and you know of any openings, I'm going to try to say their Twitter handles, um, and I'll also put it in the description. Rachel is at R.A. Zilberg. Jake is at, at Jake Darzinski. And Jen is at Alloway J on Twitter. Um, I will put those in the description of the episode as well. I would just ask, please do not barrage them with questions about the books or Pixelberry. Right. They have much larger concerns, like finding out where their next paycheck is coming from, than giving us tea about the company. So yeah, that was my more serious thing that I wanted to address. <laughs> because I do think whatever help we can send to them. Right is really important so if you if you know of any opportunities or know of any resources they could use please reach out to them and be respectful as always okay i think we are finally ready to talk about open heart let's do it you ready i'm ready i'm ready so again this is open heart book one chapter one can i just say also i think we talked about this in the last episode but book three is coming out on the 19th of this month uh, so we have we have some content to check you yeah, know was, catch we, up we on before some, we right <laughs> before we launch into that you know book one chapter one the chapter title is called the doctor's in chapter summary says you're the newest medical resident at edinburgh hospital working under the brilliant and demanding dr ethan ramsey can you make the cut the genres that this book fall under are medical drama and doctors which is like my favorite fucking genre <laughs> just doctors just doctors. just doctors no we don't we, we don't want to talk about the medical we just want to talk about the doctors just doctors <laughs> i was truly so perplexed when i read that because i was like is doctors a genre when i think of a genre i think of romance right mystery horror mm-hmm. thriller mm-hmm. suspense bite of life not doctors not doctors i need to pull up the um fucking genres that they have for ride or die because i feel like one of them was like race cars or some shit and i was like what (laughs) i'm like that's a noun that's not a genre (laughs) (laughs) let me pull it up yeah the genre is adrenaline is adrenaline a genre I just feel like adrenaline as a drama should be action. Like, why are we trying to, like, what is, like... A thriller. But thriller is, like, if action and horror had a baby. You might be right. Doctors as a genre is... It's a little silly. I'll be honest. Maybe <laughs> chuckle a little bit. It is. It is. Maybe chuckle a little bit. So, jumping into the actual content of the book, <laughs> um, 
the introduction to the series is like way more like on the nose than I remember it being, to be honest with you. Like the introduction of the book, it talks about the primary setting is Eden Brooks, the name of the hospital. It's in Boston and it is the city's most prestigious teaching hospital. I, I, don't, I guess I say it's on the nose because I think the beginning is like, welcome to Edenbrook. It is your first day as a doctor at this most prestigious teaching hospital in Boston. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that the intro was like this. And then we're immediately introduced to Dr. Um, Inez De La Rosa. Inez asks you if it's your first day at the medical residency. And this is where we're kind of intro to the character creation screen. Right. This book does allow you to either be a woman or a man, which is great, because usually it's just a female character. And this is where we learn that the default MC name is Casey Valentine, so we're just, we're going to call Casey that. And I'll, I'm going to do my best to use they, them pronouns. I played as a woman, so sometimes I might say her, but I'm going to do my best to use they, them pronouns, because I'm assuming you picked a man. I did, but I kept the name Casey because it was unisex. So I was like, let's just right. let's just be Casey and like progress in the story. Absolutely, absolutely. But so after we finish customizing our character, we learn that Inez is a second year resident, and Inez predicts that the first year as an intern is the craziest year out of the entire residency. So already, so early foreshadowing. We know that there's some shits about to pop off. Yeah, already. Casey will say they've been dreaming of working at Edenbrook for years and that their role model, Ethan Ramsey, was their inspiration for even applying to medical school in the first place. And then Inez makes a recommendation that Casey makes friends early on because, per her words, they will help uh, Casey get through anything. And she also warns Casey to not annoy any attendings. So Casey's walking through the hospital to orientation of their first day and a woman collapses out of her seat okay so casey can either yell for people to give the one why are you laughing <laughs> i'm laughing because it's just like your luck right like you can't even like child you wouldn't even be where you, you you're not even in the room that you're supposed to be at some woman falling out right in front of you like <laughs> it would be the irony of the whole thing yeah, no, it's very, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil our bingo, but <laughs> there's a lot of like medical drama tropes that you could poke at, I think, in this book. And this like not even getting to put on like your coat and someone <laughs> collapsing in the waiting room. It's one of those things, you know? <laughs> it's like, thank God that you have an idea at least, you know? Thank God you're not like. A high school student who just wanted to like intern at the hospital like thank god our character has actually been through medical school <laughs> <laughs> so this woman collapses out of her seat um casey can either yell for people to give the woman space i think it was give the woman some space and if you click that it's what casey says is give the woman some space i am a doctor or the second option is someone get a doctor which I didn't choose because I was like, you are a doctor, honey. You got to step up to the plate. This is your first day. So <laughs> I chose the give women some space. And then she quote, well, they quote after that, I am a doctor. So I was like, all right, we're good. Everyone knows what I am. Let's go ahead and handle the situation. Right. You have to establish, you know, <laughs> the <Dominance>. occupation <laughs> of the main character. <laughs> Actually, I might have clicked get a doctor. <laughs> Here's the thing about open heart, and this is something we'll get into, but I 
forgot how much quick time events they put in this book. Oh my god, yes. There's so many different chances throughout the book, you'll notice, and throughout the entire series, where I am someone who has no medical know-how. I know nothing. Lucas is probably better prepared for this book than I am. If you ask me to make a split-second decision on, like, whether to use the scalpel on their neck or their chest, I'm not gonna know. (laughs) So, when the opportunity came up to call for a doctor, I called for a doctor. (laughs) I don't feel like one yet. (laughs) I am an intern. Okay. (laughs) I am an intern. It's my first day. I don't even have my coat on yet. (laughs) (laughs) No matter what option you pick, a doctor, another doctor does come in and like checks out the woman. So this doctor calls Casey over to assist and puts her in the gurney. And the situation is pretty urgent. The woman's pulse is weak. She's unresponsive and her blood pressure is plummeting. Casey notices that a bruise is forming on her elbow and that her fingertips are turning blue. They state that this is a sign of low blood oxygen saturation. And then Mm -hmm. from the bruise, we can tell the woman is a hemophiliac Mm -hmm. and she is in danger of suffocating really soon. So the doctor seems to know what's wrong with the woman, but forces Casey to figure it out for themselves. Casey is able to recall it's a hemothorax, meaning that a blood vessel burst and it's blocking the woman's lungs from expanding. So the doctor calls out to a nurse, says we need to do like an emergency surgery. The nurse, for some reason, hands the scalpel to Casey and not the doctor. No, listen, when I was playing this and that happened, when I tell you, I would have handed it to the doctor so quickly. I was like, oh, we just passed and I got it. Okay. All right. I don't know. <laughs> Said hot tomato, hot tomato. <laughs> Truly, truly. So Casey's hand is shaking. I think all of us would be at this point. Yeah. The doctor kind of, you know, calms Casey down, reassures Casey, you can do this. Casey does the incision. I mean, assuming you're able to do the quick time event correctly, because I was able to steady my hand. I don't know how that plays out if you if your hand is still shaking. In my book, at least, and I'm assuming probably in your book, too, mm-hmm. that the Casey was able to make the, the incision and save the yes. woman's life. So, yes. of course, in typical medical drama fashion, everybody starts clapping applause from the entire audience that was on looking this woman's near-death experience. Casey will make a comment to the doctor that it was like, oh, my God, what an amazing experience to save this woman. And the doctor is like... It was amazing you didn't kill this bitch. No, listen, I was so freaking shocked because, like, I think, to me, that was the only non-cliche about, like, the scenario. Because, like, most people would be like, wow, like, you were really good under pressure for that being your first time. Like, there's potential in you. He straight up was like, wow, you almost killed this bitch. And I said, excuse me? Excuse me. It is such a tone shift from how he reacted in in the middle of her dying and then after right because he when casey was shaking he was like you can do this you can do this you got this you're the man you're the woman okay you can do this you got this and then as soon as it's over you turn around you're like wow wasn't that fun he was like yeah you fucking piece of shit no like literally like literally the verbal abuse that our character goes through in the first like five minutes of this book Lucas, you were in nursing classes, yeah. Nursing classes, and you know some people who went to nursing school. Is it actually like this? Yes, yes. Listen, let me tell you something. Let me tell you okay. something. 
Tell me. So I obviously, you know, that like we took college classes while we were in high school. Guys, we're not just funny. We're smart. Okay. (laughs) We're intelligent and educated. Thank you very much. (laughs) So when I went to the university, I didn't have to take as many elective uh, classes. So like my workload and my like classes for the first few years were very, you know, like they weren't too strenuous. So my, what would you call it? Freshman seminar professor was the head of the whole nursing program. And so she gave us access to the rooms that they use in order to like mock what it would be like in an ER. So I had like the little gas bag that is used to um, put oxygen in the body when they can't breathe on their own. And I'm doing it right. And she was like, wow, okay. Like literally just like saying that. She's like, okay, all right, okay. And then the monitor stopped beep- started beeping and she looked and she was like, mm, the patient's dead. I said, what? I said, what did I do? She was like, you were pushing too hard and too rapidly. So the oxygen was going straight to the stomach and it like caused a hernia. And I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I was like, why didn't you correct me the moment it was happening? And she was like, well, you have to learn. It is literally like that. It is literally like, you're fine. You're doing great. Just do it yourself. And then like you do it and there's like, now let me tell you literally every fucking thing you did wrong, you stupid piece of shit. You're lucky this person is... That just, I understand it's a dummy, so it's like, it's not the same thing. But just the fact that she was, she watched you kill someone and was like, mm-hmm. no, that was mm-hmm. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that was wrong. I just wanted you to know that they, they died because you gave them a hernia. Yeah, I said a hernia. She said, yeah. She was like, the, ad- the abdomen became distended and we didn't catch it in time and it ruptured. And I was like, I gotta go. <laughs> you said, I can I get a refund for my tuition? <laughs> oh my god that is so stressful like the the two main aspects in my opinion of trying to get a medical degree is you know actually knowing the terminology and the knowledge of procedures and everything that you know need to know medicine but first and foremost it's thinking quickly and knowing like like that you really mistakes yeah it's definitely being able to react well under pressure because Mm -hmm. if you're a person who just like loses it under any amount of stress like that's not going to go well for you which i'm almost i stopped with the program because bitch this crippling anxiety what i look like i'm about to be cutting everyone the wrong way i'm about to be slicing the wrong way i'm gonna cost the hospital so much fucking money in malpractice Yeah, no. Um, reading this book makes me really glad that I didn't think it was a good decision to go into the medical field because at one point in my like early high school days, I really wanted to. And then I looked at how much like after after school, like post grad education mm-hmm. you had to do. And I was like, you know what? I'm good. Thank you very much. Um, I'm gonna get my business degree. And I'm going to happily walk my my happy ass out and go right into the real world without having to do eight years of education right. after. Truly, truly. Yeah, no, absolutely. I could not have done a, a career in the medical field. And this book makes me very happy that I decided not to do that. Yeah, going back 
to the verbal abuse that Casey had to endure. Um, Casey can respond to the doctor by saying one of three things. You can either say, just who the hell do you think you are? Maybe you can give me some private lessons. And I'm sorry, doctor. It's my first day. Which one did you pick? Okay, so listen, I was like, you know what? Maybe like if I flirt with him a little bit, it'll easing it up. It did not, first of all. Secondly, <laughs> I just chose um, maybe you can offer me some private lessons. And the comment and the response I got was not what I thought would be said. What do you say to you? First of all, when I clicked it, I automatically kind of regretted it because I was like, damn, that could be like sexual harassment. Like, it's my first day. Don't tell me I'm like almost killed a patient and about to get fired and sued for sexual harassment. Secondly, the response that he said was something on the lines of like, yeah, maybe, LOL. You know, like kind of, it was like a little flirty, like, oh yeah, maybe. And then I was like, okay, good, good. He was like, but I doubt you can afford my salary. I said, okay, wow. Okay. I will say, I think his response to the flirtatious option is better than the other options, but it doesn't mean it's good. Really? What were the other options? So if you say just who the hell do you think you are, which is not what I would recommend anyone picking in this situation, but he will say the last time that I checked, I wasn't attending. You were an intern. Oh, I mean, and if you say, I'm sorry, doctor, it's my first day. He will sarcastically apologize and will say, oh, I didn't realize that. And I'm sure that excuse would have comforted her family. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess the second one is the best one and it's not even the best. Okay. All right. Which is crazy me because i'm like how do you why would you see this doctor and automatically be like let me see if i can get some dick (laughs) that feels so inappropriate to me like and the fact that you get the best response from him if you flirt with him it doesn't compute in my head whatever option you pick he will grab your lanyard to like check your last name and then he'll walk away and then a nurse will inform you oh don't worry dr ramsey acts like that towards everyone and then this is when casey realizes that that doctor was their idol probably not the greatest first impression right right you know like they say never meet your heroes but i mean now now we know you know we've run into the again probably another medical drama trope is the main character in the first 10 minutes in the hospital running into their idol that works there. So Casey will then make their way into a locker room. You know, they have blood on them from the emergency procedures so they have to go change. And Casey will meet a woman in her underwear. You can either say, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Or holy crap, you're hot. Which one did you get? <laughs> First of all, even if I wasn't gay, I would not choose, oh my God. So I, you know, I did the more modest uh, response and I was like, I'm so sorry. So if you do say, holy crap, you're hot, this woman will sarcastically comment. Oh my God, no one's ever told me that before. Love that. Honestly, love that. Right. And then if Casey says, I'm so sorry, um, she'll comment that she's not sure how you made it through medical school without seeing someone in their bra. And then a man will interrupt you. And we'll tell the woman who we learn from this dialogue that um, the woman's name is Jackie. The man will tell Jackie, you know, go easy on you. It's all of our first dates. Jackie will say she's friendly if Casey stays out of her way. Which, to be to be fair, the way that I said that sound more like a threat than I think it comes off in the dialogue in the book. And then Casey can either say, I don't scare easily or I'm the one you should be scared of. Right. If you say you don't scare easily, the man will kind of wink at you and be like, oh, neither do I. 
And if you say, I'm the one you should be scared of, the man will say, oh, like this person is quiet, but fierce. Either way, I think it's it's a good impression to give. Yeah, right? it is, it is. The man will introduce himself as Bryce LaHala, and Bryce is a surgical intern. Casey introduces himself as an internal medicine intern. So this is kind of the first time that we, we, we get the actual, I don't know what you would call this. It's not an occupation. What would you call that? It's not. I would just call it like a specialty. Okay. So this is the first time that we learn the specialty that our our main character is in. And then Jackie will say that she's also in the same group. So the group will walk to orientation together. At orientation, uh, the trio meets Harper Emery. Dr. Emery is Edenbrook's new chief. So she has a reputation as a world-famous neurosurgeon before she got promoted to chief. Dr. Emery will be giving a speech. Everyone will kind of be like eating it up. It's like really inspirational, blah, blah, blah. Casey will kind of look around the crowd to see like what who her fellow interns are. And she'll see an intern who looks like pretty angry and like isn't yeah. clapping after everything that Dr. Emery is saying. So it calls her out. We kind of get this feeling we're going to meet this character um, pretty soon in the chapter. And all of the interns are given their first assignments. So as they're working, walking over to the board of their assignments, Casey will yawn. Casey will say that they didn't get much sleep last night because their room that they rented is actually like essentially a closet under a staircase. So didn't really get a lot of sleep the night before. <laughs> but the way they described it made it seem like Harry Potter or something. Like he, he living in like a fucking broom closet underneath a damn stairwell. Like we do have, you know, some very small rooms, but nothing that I feel like you couldn't get like a good night's sleep in. <laughs> like, like I feel like your biggest concern would be storage. Or, or mice or insects or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm starting to question how intelligent Casey is because I'm trying to figure out like, did you not get any photos of the room? Like, did you do it last minute? I don't understand. Like, you should be more put together than this. <laughs> like, I understand you got hella medical bills. Like, I'm trying to be sympathetic to that. But also, why are you sleeping in a closet? Yeah, truly. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I would quicker get a hotel room. If I walked in and I realized that was the setup of my shit, I think I would quicker get a hotel room than stay there. Casey really just makes me, just reminds me of a professor that we had in the nursing school who would religiously walk outside in between classes and smoke cigarettes. And I feel like we would always look at her and be like, is someone going to tell her that smoking could cause cancer? Like she would just religiously do it as if she was not, as if she did not have her medical degree. Or just common sense in general. And I feel like that's Casey. I feel like Casey's like, because the options are either like, you know what, that's kind of bad. And then the second one's like, that's even worse. So we're just like, <laughs> bad one. <laughs> it is kind of weird. Like our main character seems like really naive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's very strange because the rest of these characters, you know, they're all like, Jackie's very quick-witted. I mean, Bryce, mm-hmm. he's very sarcastic and, like, mm-hmm. bubbly, but he's not hes not bubbly in the sense that he's dumb. Our main character, I mean, there are just certain options you can pick where it's like, have you been in the real world? Have you held a real conversation before? Exactly. Clearly, I feel like that situation will, I'm predicting that situation will probably resolve itself because there's no way that our main character can continue to live in a broom closet. We can't do this. Yeah, no, not at all. How- how do they get ready in the morning? Maybe that's why they came in so early to orientation. 
to get some fresh We ain't sleeping anyways. <laughs> the trio walks over to the board to get their assignments. Casey is looking at the paper. They realize that they're paired with Dr. Aurora Emery, which is the angry-looking intern who we saw in the crowd before. We learn that Dr. Emery is actually Harper's niece, and Aurora kind of preemptively says to the group, she's like, I could get you a meeting with her, but I'm not going to do that. Yeah, very boss-like. Very boss-like. Setting the scene that um, whatever bullshit you trying to get from me just because yes, I'm her niece, yes. don't. Casey can either say it's cool or difficult to have the chief of the hospital as an aunt. If you say it's cool, she'll just be like, well, who asked you? And then if you say it's difficult, Aurora will kind of like act surprised that you didn't immediately think it was a positive thing. And then Aurora will still say, well, who asked you? Yeah, and that pissed me off because I said it must be difficult because, like, obviously, like, I think people underestimate the crushing, like, feeling of family legacies. And it said, like, she had made a, you know, kind of like a sincere face. And I was like, oh, I'm getting to her. The way she flipped and gaslighted me and was like, oh, you know, basically, who cares? I was like, you know what? I'm done. Take me to the patient, please. God. <laughs> You're like, oh, so this is how we're going to start off our partnership. No, good, good, literally good. halfway through this book, I said, I'm done trying to impress anyone. The fuck? Because <laughs> we just can't do it. Dr. Ethan don't like us. I don't even know if Jackie and Bryce like us at this point. I think Bryce probably does, but Jackie? I don't know. And Aurora being rude. Going back a little bit, like when you change right before you meet everyone for orientation, they give you an option for diamonds to get like the, the doctor's coat. I did it because, let me tell you why, it was either that or wear the same clothes that has blood on it. And I'm like, y'all are really putting me in between a rock and a hard place right now. Like, y'all are really like, what did Casey do? What what did Casey do as a character for this person to literally just get shitted on by every single interaction and got to wear bloody fucking clothes to orientation? No. I said, give me that damn doctor's uniform, please. Thank you. I can pull this up and check, but I'm pretty sure the the non-diamond option is just a new pair of scrubs. Oh my god. So you might have just spent 25 diamonds. I mean, hey, at least if you spend diamonds in this chapter, you know it's not in vain because you are getting a third one. Unlike, you know, the previous book we had talked about. <laughs> Let me pull up this diamond option. If you spend diamonds, it is not because... It, it's not going to give you any favors for the characters, okay? <laughs> like, they are still going to shit on you. Correct. And normally it's the entire reason of like why you would want to pay diamonds for an outfit because one, the character looks cute, but also two, the other characters will react and be like, oh my god, what a great outfit. You look amazing. And like... <laughs> yeah, no, did not get that. I pulled it up and I can confirm that it says a clean scrub. Oh, I should have just went with clean scrubs. Because either way, treat people treat you with straight up disrespect. <laughs> so after this interaction, Aurora and... Casey will make their way to their patient and Casey will ask Aurora how she wants to approach the case and Aurora will be dismissive towards Casey like oh we don't really have a reason to discuss how we want to approach this. Casey can say one of three things. I'm just trying to be friendly. All I care about is the patient and don't test me. Which one do you pick? I said all I care about is the patient. How do you feel about how Aurora responded to you? Oh like basically like we're in agreement or like you know, she was like, oh, yeah, like, same here. That pisses me off. Because let me tell you, if we are in agreement, 
then you can be like, you know, okay, good. Glad to know that we're on the same page. Let's go ahead. Not this passive aggressive, like, oh, well, I was just about to say that. Okay, bitch. All right, then. Like, let's just go. Like, what is the issue? Like, we're here to do our job. And it's like, you obviously don't want to get to know me on a personal level, but yet you trying to be superior to me on a professional level. There is no winning with Casey. So far, this book one, there is no winning. Everyone just seems to be very aggressive towards Casey. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, I do think all I care about is the patient is like the best option because it's just kind of level set. Like, if you don't want to be nice to me, it's fine. I'm not going to suck up to you. But at the same time, like, I just want you to know that like I'm here to do my job and take care right. of the patient, right? Um, the other options, if you say I'm just trying to be friendly, Casey will say it's a tough job and they should have each other's backs. And Aurora will just be like, I, I'm fine on my own. Thank you very much. If you say, don't test me, this is probably the most entertaining option to me, but Casey can say, I don't care who your aunt is. Your aunt could be the fucking president of the United States and I don't care. I'm here to succeed. And then Casey will call Aurora princess nepotism. Oh, oh, oh. And then Aurora will just kind of look back and will be like, I'm glad that you have a backbone because I started to think that you didn't have one. can be rude to her and Aurora's just like, good. Congratulations on responding to me in a way that isn't in tears. Yeah. <laughs> Aurora, a bitch. I think we can say that our impression of her, yeah, she's a little bit of a bitch, okay? Um, so you meet your first patient, Annie, and Aurora will, you know, stop being cold. She'll warm up to the patient. She'll smile at Annie, which is pretty surprising considering the way she just puts, takes on and off that mask. But, you know, good for her. She has good, like, um, bedside manner. Yes. So we learn that Annie just moved to Boston for grad school. She doesn't have any family or friends in the area. And then Casey and Annie will very quickly like bond over being new to Boston. Annie has marbled patches on her skin that she scratches. And we learn that this is a new symptom for her. Um, we also learn she has headaches, nausea, vertical, and crampy hands. And then the symptoms started a week ago. And then Casey also notices a neck rash and a cut on Annie's ankle. Mm -hmm. So we learn that Annie is a scuba diver and she was recently on a trip to Indonesia. She had to cut it short because she was having all these symptoms. So while Casey and Aurora are discussing like how to handle the patient, Aurora is called up to her aunt's office, leaving Casey with like all of the grunt work. Annie's labs later come back and Casey prescribes an antibiotic for bacteria that they found in her blood. Mm -hmm. Presumably thinking like if we just prescribe this antibiotic, all the symptoms will probably clear up. Right. So later, Casey is trying to find their way back to Annie's room, and they bump into a man named um, Landry Olson. He's also a fellow intern. I think we kind of talked with him a little bit when everybody was getting their assignments. Landry reveals that he is reading Ethan Ramsey's book, Diagnostic Principles, and Landry recognizes Casey as the intern who had helped Ethan earlier that morning. So apparently our audience was larger than we thought. Or maybe rumor just spreads quickly in the hospital. I don't know. And then Landry will say that it's great that you got to talk to Ethan. And they will spot Ethan down the hall. So this is when you can either choose to hide from Ethan or speak to him. What did you do? Did you take the diamond scene? I did because I, here's the thing, again, just rocking this hard place. Why am I hiding from him? Like, why am I cowering over, just because of our first interaction? Like, oh, he said something mean. Let me go hide behind some intern I just met. I said, no, let me talk to this man. Click that. I clicked that diamond so fucking fast. Sometimes I wish. I feel like the diamond options are either, like, act normally or go eat shit. No, like, literally. Literally. I'm like, why is this, like, it really is 
act professional or go cower. And I'm like, okay, you guys are literally not even giving me a choice. Like, I have to spend diamonds. Why can't you just stand there and just, like, let him do his thing and just continue on with yeah. your day? Why Why is it either I have to go put myself in his face or I have to leave immediately? <laughs> That is just not the way that any normal person would conduct themselves in, like, a professional environment. It doesn't make any sense. No, it's literally, like, act normal and say hey to him, eight diamonds. Or option B, shit yourself and everyone in the hospital can smell it. Like, that. (laughs) (laughs) So, I will say, personally, um, on my own playthrough, I didn't pick the diamond option just because... I don't really care to impress this man. Like, I feel like he's, he comes off as one of those characters to me that are just gonna, they're gonna be rude to you to be, even if you do something nice, like, even if, even if they're satisfied, they will say something sarcastic, like, well, hopefully next time you'll do that well. He comes off as like, you know, like a Dr. Cox or like a Dr. House to me. And they're very rarely ever nice. So I'm like, why would I go out of my way to go talk to him like I'm not I don't think hiding from him is a good option but that's the only other option I had so I guess I hid if you do hide you basically hide behind Landry which doesn't make any sense because it kind of mentions that Landry is is like he's a very skinny dude like he's not someone who's like big and tall so you can't necessarily hide behind him and Ethan will see you anyways like he'll just rub he'll walk down the hallway and he'll he'll ask you he's like rookie are you hiding from me and you can either say yes or no and I think no matter how you respond um Ethan will just kind of like rub the bridge of his nose and be like, oh my God, interns and just like walk away. Oh my God. It's very embarrassing. If you do decide to take the diamond option, um, Casey will walk over with Landry's uh, copy of Ethan's Ethan's published book, and you'll see that Ethan is dealing with a difficult patient. Casey can tell Ethan that they won't let him down again, or they can say, I'm your biggest fan. What did you pick? I said, I'm your biggest fan, because I just feel like you being an intern sets the premise of like you're gonna disappoint a lot of people and like you have to fail in order to learn. So why would I even make that false promise of like I'm not gonna let you down again? How did he respond? Like what was the dialogue option like? Oh, what did he say? When I said I'm your biggest fan, um he was sarcastic. He was like, Oh yeah, like you're my biggest fan. Okay. And then you just recite, like, no, like really I am. Like I've read all your research papers, all of your books. You mentioned one paper and he was like, I don't even have a copy of that. Like, that's a paper that I wrote when I was, you know, still in med school. And I'm like, oh, like, I can give you my copy if you want. And like, instead of just being a fucking human being being like, oh, no, like, it's okay. He's just like, I don't need it. It's fine. Like, it's whatever. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Like, here we go. Yeah, so I clearly, I like I said, I didn't pay for the diamond option, so I kind of had to rely on just playthroughs to show me with the other ones. And all the playthroughs that I watched on YouTube, pretty much just all of them picked, oh, we won't let you down again. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Ethan will say to Casey, oh, you must be able to see the future then. And then he says that Casey will let him down, but it's important that in the future that Casey picks themselves up and takes it as, you know, a learning lesson whenever they do fall. So kind of passes along, you know, some advice to Casey. Uh, Casey will notice that Ethan is looking for a snack to bring to his difficult patient in order to cheer the patient up because the patient hasn't taken their medicine in like two days. So Casey Mm -hmm. can suggest either the gum or hot chocolate and whatever you pick, the treat will get the patient to like take their, take their medication. Casey will notice that they have like 50 cents left over in the vending machine and Casey can either buy Ethan or themselves a treat. 
What'd you do? Um, I bought him the candy bar because it, it it said that he was looking at it. So I was like, let me go ahead and get you this candy bar. I love that Casey was like, I have 50 cents that isn't my money and I'm going to make a decision what to do with it. Yes. Yes. It's so funny to me. And again, I didn't, I, again, watching the YouTube playthroughs, I think everyone picked to get Ethan a treat. So I didn't necessarily see what happens if you get the, the gummies that the main character wants to eat. But essentially... Casey will give Ethan the candy bar and will say, like, it's it's okay to treat yourself sometimes. Like, you don't have to be right. selfless all the time. At the end of the interaction, Ethan will sign the book with a quote saying, don't let me down. And you'll bring the book back to Landry and Landry will, like, give you a hug. That's funny. My quote was, um, for my biggest fan. Aww. Mm-hmm. And this, and, like, this, that right there. It was like for my biggest fan, and then he says, "It was something like flirty." He said something. Oh no no no! When you tell him like, "Oh, it's okay to treat yourself," and he was like, "I'll keep that in mind." And then I'm about to walk away, and he's like, "Wait, hold on a second. Grabs the book. He's like, "From your biggest fan," or like to my biggest fan, and then like he gives it back to me, and he's like, "You know, like I'll see you around Valentine," and you say like, "Oh, like you remember my name," and he's like, "Yeah, I pay attention to detail." And so I was like, oh, okay. Like, all right. Yeah, I think the entire interaction is the same. I think it just changes the quote that he leaves in your book, which mm, I will say true. makes way more sense. Um, If you say that to, to my biggest fan for handing the book back to Landry. Because Landry, when he gets the book back and it says, like, don't let me down, Landry will be like, that's pretty intense. Like, yeah. <laughs> Landry's like, um, why he write this? <laughs> I think it just changed the, the quote that he puts in the book. So later, Casey will go to Annie's room to check on her, and Annie will request that Casey sits down with her. Casey starts having a conversation, you know, tries to ask Annie about her life, and then when Annie tries to answer, she will lose consciousness and her heart will stop. That's the cliffhanger that we're left on for chapter one. Um, I would just ask, like, what are your overall general thoughts about this book? I feel like this book has a lot of potential. I almost like it that everyone hates you because it just, like... I think that in itself kind of gives you a drive to do it for yourself as opposed to trying to get other people to like you. And I think that's what's important about the plot of this story is that like when you are faced with the concept that even your allies are being real bitchy in the fucking very beginning, you almost have to do it for yourself. Like there's no... There's no flirting. There's no getting out of it. Trust me, I tried. My flirtation didn't work. Everyone said I was shitty. And so it just gave me, like, it truly makes me want to be the best doctor in this story and just not give a fuck about anybody and focus on myself. Yeah, I feel like that is a very common trope within itself. I feel like every single medical drama has that one student that's just, like, a little too peppy, a little bit too happy, and then the rest of the doctors (laughs) and the interns are like, people die here, bitch. Yep. (laughs) People literally die here. Like, why are you sitting here trying to lick everybody's assholes? So there's this uh, TikTok sound that's really just been, like, picking up. And it's from Scream Queens, where she's like, and there's the door. And then there's, like, an awkward silence. And Lee Michelle's like, and there's the door, bitch. That's how I feel about this. Like, they're just like, and this is the reality. And you just, like, kind of nod. And they're like, you fucking suck, bitch. Like... (laughs) 
the beginning because Dr. Inez was like, go make some friends. Like, go meet some people. And it's like, everybody being a fucking asshole. <laughs> You're literally like, bitch, where? Like, what? Like, the only person that was even remotely nice to you were part of the the trio, right? Mm-hmm. One of them's not in program as you. He's a surgical intern. And then the other one, you didn't get paired with. So the only two people that you could potentially become friends with, you're not even with throughout the day. You only exchange, you know, pleasantry in locker rooms. They really gave you nothing to work with this first episode. No, you literally have no friends. And then the majority of the episode, like you said, is in bulk spent with people that don't like you all that much. And then yes. if you want to make them like you, you got to spend diamonds to make them like you. You got to spend diamonds. Which is not, I will say that that's never been a good incentive for me. Like, I have never been like, oh my god, I want to make this character like me, let me spend diamonds. If a character is a fucking asshole to me, I do not spend diamonds on them. Because why? It just seems very counterproductive to me. Spend money to make this person like you. I'm like, oh, so I'm about to be this person's sugar mama basically (laughs) in order to get a kind reaction in order for them to say hi without like rolling their eyes at me i have to spend diamonds i don't love that okay so i do want to ask you you know your your opinions about each character so how do you predict casey's relationship with ethan will play out i think it's going to be a lot of back and forth a back and forth with like y'all might be flirting for a couple seconds and then he's just gonna shut that shit down and I think eventually there's going to be a conversation where like, oh my God, I can see it now. Like, oh, you remind me of myself when I was your age. Or I'm this cold-hearted because I lost a patient that meant a lot to me. Or my parent died. And if I was a doctor, then I could have saved them. Like, I feel like the reason why he acts the way he acts is because of some fucking broken-hearted story that we'll get to. But I think, I don't know. I think it's going to be... Either he likes you so much because you remind you remind him of himself, or he ha- he sees potential in you. But either way, I, I just think it's going to be a lot of back and forth. And it's going to piss me off. And it's going to be aggravating. Because the one thing that I don't like is hot and cold characters. <laughs> <laughs> so your prediction is that there's going to be some story that explains to you in full detail like why ethan is being such a dick mm-hmm. but listen you just said that there's like three books so lord knows we probably won't get into much later <laughs> i mean you know there's a lot of a lot of opportunity for character development a lot of opportunities for these characters to change their approach their personality a lot of opportunities for you to change how you feel about them so yeah i mean that's that's a good prediction maybe ethan will open up to us maybe i'll only be in a diamond scene the way that this game likes to do this (laughs) (laughs) so what's your prediction about how their relationship will go with jackie i think it's just going to be very like i think that would be my rival like if i had to pick a rival it would be jackie i think it's going to be very much like I got to I got to help I got to do this on a patient yesterday. Oh, really? You just did that? I did that last week. I think that is going to be a good competitive friendship. Maybe in the future there's going to be some sort of like wedge that causes them to drift apart and we will have to work through that. But I think my interaction and my relationship with Jackie is what I'm most excited for. I just think it's interesting that you are putting that on Jackie and you didn't say Aurora. No, I think it's going to be... Aurora, it just feels like very high priest. Like, she already been there, done that. Like, why would I try to compete with Aurora when her... Like, I don't know, just... 
it could be a facade, okay? Mm-hmm. It could be. But I just feel like I just feel like she's gonna be better than me. <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna be so good, you're not even gonna wanna compete. I'm not even gonna wanna try. I'm not even gonna wanna like like she's just like every time she opens her mouth, I'm gonna just be like, I get it, bitch. The fuck? Yeah, I mean that does make sense because I mean Jackie in the first like two sentences she says to you is like, I'll be nice to you if you stay out of my way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I feel like every book we talk about, there's like a little bit of a threat behind each like friendship. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. How do you think it's going to go with Bryce? I think that could be a p- potential ally. Mm-hmm. I feel like it might even be some sort of conflict between him and a Dr. Douche. That's what I'm going to call him, Dr. Dr. Douche. Dr. Douche. <laughs> <laughs> He squared. <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel like you might have to choose um, between them. But I I feel like out of everyone and their interactions I had, um, I can't, I don't really know where our relationship might go. I just feel like it, he could be a potential ally. I'm kind of here for a little bit. He's very flirty, very um, comical and like, but like also... I just feel like he knows his shit. Like, he's not being goofy and funny because he's trying to, like, overcompensate with his lack of knowledge. That's just who he is as a person. Mm-hmm. That brings us to a great point. Who do you think are going to be the allies in this book? Oh, shit. Okay. Obviously, Dr. Douche. I mean, Avi. Avi. Dr. Douche. I feel like Aurora might slip in there. I feel like mm. if you break her exterior and get to know her, there might be some redeemable qualities that you might find mm-hmm. uh, attractive. And then Bryce. Okay, so your prediction is Ethan, Bryce, and Aurora. Mm-hmm. I would ask you how you feel Casey's relationship with Aurora will go, but I think you already kind of answered that. Do you want to provide any more context? I just think definitely with Aurora and with Ethan, it's obviously more than, you know, it's more than what meets the eye. And I think that just depends on the character's gameplay of it, right? Mm -hmm. This game is more so like literally whoever you're vibing with and whoever you want to spend time with and get to know, then like those scenes could be unlocked for you. Mm -hmm. Will I take the time to try to get to know both of them? I don't know. It just depends on like how the plot is and like how the story goes. But I really just think that like there is potential for Aurora to open up and for you to get to know her in a way that is more sincere than like you know family legacy bad bitch vibes (laughs) right (laughs) i do think that there is a cold exterior that you kind of have to Mm -hmm. like chip away at if you want to get to know her and then how would you how do you predict casey's relationship with landry's gonna go um just that loyal friend that like i feel like he's gonna be the type of character that like you don't really know how much their friendship means to you until like you look back at it and like full perspective i think it's going to be like he's the type that's always going to have that winning answer he's always going to be there he's always his input is always going to like help save the day type shit Mm -hmm. i just think he's a really good friend that is kind of seen as background noise but once you focus on that you realize he has a lot to say right because he very much comes off as a very like meek character Mm -hmm. no i see where you're coming from um, so far, do you think this story is very similar to other medical dramas you've watched, like Grey's Anatomy? I know that's like one of your favorite shows, if not yes, your favorite show. So what 
kind of, I guess, parallels do you see across both of them? I think the competitiveness with the interns already, I can kind of see, like, don't get in my way. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But what I saw is that, like, take Dr. Bailey in Grey's Anatomy, for instance. She is the chief resident, so she is, you know, a step above the interns. She was very much like, don't try to suck up to me because I don't give a fuck about you. And I think it's funny to see, like, the interns have that aspect already. Instead of just being, it like, competitive, they're just the same as, like, don't fucking talk to me. Like, Aurora... She's like, I'm better than you, but also don't talk to me because I fucking hate you. Like, I'm like, okay, my bad. Yeah, it is very strange. Like, some of these characters seem, I don't want to say unnecessarily dismissive, because obviously Aurora has some background relationships that are going on that may be impacting how she's interacting with everybody. Right. But yeah, it is interesting because it's like, it's even being hard, like slim pickings to figure out who's going to be your friend in the intern group. So it is a very strange dynamic. I was expecting more backlash from like the residents and not fellow interns. Exactly. Exactly. I said, damn, y'all interns are a bunch of assholes. (laughs) So I have some Reddit reactions for us. User Mediocre Dunce said, please, Pixelberry, give us a cute and suave initial flirting response. Let the, oh my god, you're so hot upon first meeting a love interest options die. No, literally. Literally, though, because those are not realistic. When I read that, I was like, that's not... I ha- Even though, like, I didn't want to apologize, because obviously we're in a locker room. Like, I don't know what you're expecting to see if you go into a locker room. There's going to be somebody's body in there. But also, it's like, I did not want to pick the, oh my god, you're so hot option. Because who just says that? It doesn't make any sense. That's not, not how real people talk. At all. And then it says also, the same same user also says, like, a lot of people, I am tired of the really brilliant and amazing doctor who is an asshole trope. Dr. House is the only one who can pull that off for me. Although I'm sure we'll find out Dr. Ramsey has a secret heart of gold. And I guarantee at some point he'll be like, I'm only harsh with you because I see so much potential in you. Yawn. Literally what I said. <laughs> Are you tired of this trope? Like, I'm sure you watch a lot of medical dramas. Like, do you think that this doctor who is, like, intelligent, but he's a fucking asshat, do you think that that's, like, interesting at this point? Oh, I'm so tired of it. So, it, it, it's so exhausting. I think we need to move past this idea that right. if someone is intelligent, that gives them the right or the authority to just be, like, a complete dickwad. And also, why can't we have a main character that truly everyone hates for the entire entity of the show like why he's always a fucking asshole and then you learn his backstory and then he's like i'm pushing you or oh i see value in you why can't we like why can't he just be an asshole throughout the whole fucking (laughs) right why does he have to be redeemable yeah dead ass like why can't we just because like realistically we have people in the workplace that are just assholes that we're not gonna like in the entirety of working there yep and always try to save and redeem everyone. What is that? That's not realistic either. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Absolutely. And then I think also it's, to me, something that I find to be ridiculous is that when the main character, and this is not open heart specific, this is any medical drama, when the main character finds this person who they think is really intelligent and doesn't like them, like, why do we spend so much time kissing their ass? No, truly, truly. I understand that Ethan has like a high high reputation at the hospital, 
but why am I sitting here just like sucking his asshole when he's just, he's just so, he seems like not a great person. If you don't take the diamond options, like he seems to have a little bit of authenticity to him. If you take the diamond option, but if you don't, it's just like, he's a jerk. Why do I, why do I have to force him to like me? Like in real life, I don't do that shit. If someone doesn't like me, they just don't like me. Sorry about it. And that's it. Right. I don't, I don't. Yeah. It's a tired trope. Um, so this other comment comes from a user who no longer exists in the platform, but their comment still lives on like the Reddit form. Um, this person said, I think the doctor actually looks better on than the cover, which is a surprise. And his personality kind of makes me want to fight him, but like in the bedroom. <laughs> are you like, if Ethan does get presented as like an ally, are you like going to take that option? Girl, you know me. I'll be trying to fix everyone. But also, it almost makes me not... Here's the thing. Okay, take prime example, like Grey's Anatomy, Meredith and Derek, right? Derek was Meredith's boss. Like, I don't like that aspect of, like, dating a boss. Like, it just... There's something about that that seems so, like... If I had to choose a lie right now, it would be Bryce. Just because the thought of us working to, like, working towards our goal year after year to reach that as a power couple, like, that seems more promising and more realistic to me than dating someone who has been there, done that, and can almost look at me like I'm some, like, naive fucking Bambi that he could cure back to a better doctor. Like, I don't want that. Let me let me give you some more concrete words to describe a boss and employee relationship. It's predatory. It is. Yes. I know yes. some people are probably going to turn off the podcast right now because, to be honest with you, the way that some of these people obsess over Ethan Ramsey, I mean, I'm not going to say that it's about, I'm not going to say he's a bad character, but a boss and employee relationship is always going to be predatory because at the end of the day, a boss has a certain amount of power over all of their employees mm-hmm. that there's no way that mm-hmm. that relationship can be healthy, realistically. And I understand, like, some people think it's hot. And if you think it's hot, that's fine. Like, it's a fictional story. I'm not holding it against you. There's some fictional stories where I think certain relationships are hot, but I would never condone it in real life. And it's only because it's fictional that I'm into it. But in real life, if I knew someone who was sleeping with their boss, I would be like, why the fuck are you doing that? Like, you're putting yourself in a really bad position. And I do agree with you in the sense that, like, for me, I think the a relationship with Bryce could be more promising. I think it's good because even though you both work in the same hospital, you have different specialties. So it's yes. not like yes. if drama goes down in the internal medicine side, surgical is not, hopefully, I don't know. I don't know. I'm making assumptions here. I don't know that much about hospitals and like how drama works in them, but he would be... A, a step away from that whereas all <laughs> yes. of your other potential love interests that we're trying to guess you know because obviously we haven't had an option given to us yet but all of the love interests that we're guessing are all in internal medicine and that just seems very messy like i do feel like i don't advocate for dating your coworkers because i think it can go down south really fast but i do believe that if you are going to date a coworker, date someone who doesn't like work literally right next to you please because it can, it can just it can just go bad so fast. So yeah, I would. Right, it can get messy so fast. At best, I think a potential relationship between Ethan and Casey would be predatory, and that's just how I feel. If you're upset about that, I apologize. If you left the podcast, um, I hope you had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> that's just how I feel. 
<laughs> Look forward to our episode of uh, Ride or Die. <laughs> yeah, if you decide you never want to listen to an episode of Open Heart because that's how I feel about a potential relationship between Ethan and Casey, then I mean, all all for it. Go ahead, do you? <laughs> but I'm not gonna sit here and pretend to condone a relationship that I think is like very toxic in real life. And I think a certain percentage of the people who would ship Ethan and Casey together would recognize that in like an actual real life world situation this would not be a good idea it would not it, it would um... it would not be so user argyle mn who in their comment preface that they're an actual doctor said ramsey should not be working at a teaching hospital if this is his attitude towards interns no truly he's such a dick no absolutely <laughs> This is, like, literally a teaching hospital, and I get it. Like, I'm not saying he needs to baby anybody, because um, clearly he doesn't, but I do think that there's a certain amount of, I don't know, what is is it tone, bedside table manner, teacher manner? I don't know what it is, but he's, he's lacking it. He seems like he doesn't even really want to be there, which I'm like, if you don't want to be in attending, then, like go work somewhere else where like you're not gonna be expected to contribute to these people's education exactly because giving someone who has the credentials as him it should never be i am so well known what do i look like teaching you it should be i'm so well known who is going to teach you if not me correct his fucking attitude on the situation like ugh. Jesus, this is exactly why he's not about to get in these pants. Okay? Exactly. This is why I'm like, I don't know what y'all find so attractive about this man. Like, maybe there's some information that gets revealed later on in the book that would, like, make us want to get to know him. But at the present moment, like, I'm just not someone who's attracted to assholes. Sorry, not my type. Not my type. And it's so crazy because I'm so prideful, which is why I did the diamond scene. Because I was like, no, bitch. Dr. Douche about to know who I am. Dr. Douche. And was the diamond scene um, more than I expected? Yes, but that does not make me favor the character nonetheless, because he's still a fucking asshole. Right. Anytime that you have to pay diamonds for someone to like you, I think that that is a red flag to me personally. (laughs) So there is another deleted user who asks, does anyone know if a real hospital would let interns totally be in charge of patients? It seemed like they had no supervision. To which user Skincare Throwaway 665 said, interns are very closely supervised by senior residents and attendings and usually don't do a round alone until they are much more experienced mm-hmm. yes which i would agree it's very strange that they're like all right everybody pair up good luck don't kill anybody aim to them like talking to her that would that would never happen it would be a senior resident or an attending talking to the patient and the patient would be like i fell and then the attending would look at the interns and be like okay she fell what does that tell us and then they'd be like, the bitch was tripping. And then, like, the attending would be like, yeah or nay, yeah, like, that happens. But for both of them, the interns, even Aurora is basically the next fucking chief of medicine. For both of them to go and, like, question her and take vitals without there being a supervisor, highly inaccurate. Also, to give the patient a prescription. Highly inaccurate. <laughs> like, mm, that's scary. Like, I know Annie was like, oh my god, I like you guys so much. She was all smiling and stuff. But if I had just found out that this was the doctor's, like, first day on the job and they're prescribing me something, I would be like, where is, where's the more senior doctor that I could talk to? Because <laughs> y'all don't know enough to be out here doing this. <laughs> so yeah, no, I 100% agree. It is very unrealistic. But I understand, you know, they have to, this is a medical drama book. It's not meant to be super realistic 
Yeah, it's not. And that's good because it's not. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then user Lone Gunman says, did anyone else cringe when the main character hides from Dr. Ramsey behind an intern if you don't buy the diamond scene or was it just me? The main character needs to grow a backbone if they even want to have a chance at being a good doctor. Which again, it's unrealistic because you can grow a backbone a backbone with Aurora and be like, don't test me, bitch, but you can't do one with the Dr. Douche. Like, it's just... <laughs> The whole situation—it's <laughs> just inaccurate. Especially because, like, during the meeting where you know they—they're at the bulletin board and you meet Aurora. Like, Aurora pretty much like curses you out in front of everybody. Not cursing, but it's—it's well, the, it's the best way yeah. I can phrase it. But like, yeah. curses you out in front of the entire group of interns. So if the main character is embarrassed by Dr. Ramsey cursing them out, but not embarrassed by Aurora cursing them out, then it's like I don't. I don't know. I guess you could use the excuse, well, Dr. Ramsey, he's an attending and Aurora's an intern, so maybe it's like less embarrassing. But yeah, the way that this this book it doesn't have a lot of consistency. And again, it's the it's the issue with you either get some balls and go talk to this man, which you don't have to do in real life. In real life you could just like let him pass you in the hallway without saying anything. Or you eat shit off the floor. Like, it's one or the other. You're scooping it with the scalpel because you're not going to use it any other time. So. <laughs> <laughs> you're never going to get an opportunity to do this ever again. So let's just go ahead and admit that. <laughs> okay, I think it is bingo time. Oh, I'm excited. It's bingo time. So I would actually like you to kind of walk through the bingo. So for context, in our Ride or Die episodes, we have a bingo card that was created by a Reddit user. But I could not find an open heart bingo that was already created by someone in the fandoms. And I personally don't watch a lot of medical dramas. Like, that's just not my vibe. Lucas, however, loves watching them. So I kind of gave him a little homework assignment. And I was like, Mm -hmm. come up with some tropes for the medical drama genre. And I want you to create all the bingo prompts. And so we can kind of use it in the same way as we do for Ride or Die. So if you're a new listener and you haven't listened to our Ride or Die episodes, one, go listen to them. Rude. Mm. And then two, um, essentially the point of bingo in these books is for us to put down a lot of tropes or stereotypes or misconceptions that we think that the authors are going to write into these books. And we just see how many tropes we can get. I would actually like for Lucas to walk us through this since he is the one who created this. So Lucas, feel free to kick off. All right, let's do this. So our first space. Someone's parental figure was a doctor. That has Mm -hmm. not happened yet. Number two. A character has wanted to work at Edinburgh for years and it is their dream job. (laughs) Yes. Literally like the the second line. The second line. Is literally the the second line of the entire book is, oh my god, Edenbrook is my dream job. (laughs) Thirdly, someone bones in an on-call room, not yet. A character wants to be a good doctor so they can make something of themselves, not Mm -hmm. yet. Characters are surgical prodigy. Now... No, no, not yet. I, I, no, Aurora comes from a legacy, but it doesn't state that she's good at also, it Also, yeah, she's not in surgery. Oh, she's not. Yeah, she's, yeah. I feel like in order to be a prodigy, maybe I need to Google the definition of this to make sure I'm saying it correctly, but I do feel like in order to be a prodigy, you have to have 
come from someone who did that occupation and then perform well in that same occupation. Yes, yes. So really the only character that we know who is surgical right now is Bryce. So we would have to rely on Bryce Mm -hmm. to say, oh, well, my parents did surgery. So (laughs) that's why I'm so good at this. But it hasn't happened yet. A massive tragic accident happens inside the hospital. Not yet. A rival steals a case from someone. No. A character helps with the case or procedure, but doesn't get credit. No. One patient's death hits a character harder than others. Nope. Someone falls in love with a patient. I will bet money that's what happened. It hasn't happened <laughs> yet, but I will bet. A character saves someone before they even start their job at the hospital. I, do you feel like that event that happened in this chapter counts? I think it does. I think it does as well. I couldn't even get to orientation. Exactly. Like we literally had on one pair. The most that we did is we took a photo for our ID. <laughs> and that was it. That's all we got to do. It applies. Like absolutely. Yeah. I would say that this is this is a scenario in which I would feel comfortable marking that one up. Next. A character witnessed a death when they were younger, inspiring them to save lives. A character gains villains for their attending slash superior. I hope not. <laughs> we hope because we hope not because that's toxic. <laughs> that's toxic. A character makes a mistake and kills someone. <laughs> not, yet. not yet. Fingers. You said fingers crossed. <laughs> no, we don't. Oh my god! I hope oh, they kill somebody. <laughs> That literally came out wrong. I mean, it would be good for the drama. It would be amazing for the drama. A character is able to diagnose a patient when no one else can. Well, okay. We pointed out the bruise, but I feel like he would he would get there at that point right yeah i don't i feel like in order for this to count it would literally we would literally have to hear every other character in the room dealing with the patient be like i don't know what it is and then a character would have to be like i know what it is because i read about this in a medical book in my med school years (laughs) yes yes all right next a character struggles balancing their career and their love life nope he's just you know casey's struggling battling a career and sleep but you know, not love like And yet. honestly, the sleep has nothing to do with their career yet. They're not losing sleep because of their <laughs> career. They're losing sleep because um, they bought a shitty apartment. <laughs> a character comes from a family that has known hardship. No, not discussed. A character comes from a perfect family. Not discussed either. A character struggles with what surger- surgical specialty they want to be. Again, we are just... that. That's on the back of uh, Baby mm-hmm. Daddy Bryce. Okay? Because... We are not in that specialty. We're not in that program. Two doctors become obsessed with a character and they struggle to choose one. And to preface, I think what you're getting at with that is you say that there are two doctors that kind of want to take a certain person under their wing. And the person who is being obsessed, who is the object of a sub- obsession between the two mm-hmm. characters, um, has to pick who's going to be their mentor, right? Yes, that's exactly Yes. Because there are definitely in these medical dramas, there are a lot of times where they're like, oh, she she has the potential to be the best student I've ever had. And like someone else could feel mm-hmm. that same way. And like it, this big conundrum of like, wh- wh- who are you about to choose, baby? Right. A character becomes sleep deprived and starts to burn out. A character breaks a rule or law to save someone. I see that happening 
in here as well. One of Edenbrook's employees dies unexpectedly. And then lastly, the employees have a hangout spot after work. So, so far, we have only knocked off two spots on our open heart book one being well and the free space we can go ahead and do right but in terms of actual content only two two spots so cool lucas thank you for playing it together thank you for um leading us through it um i think unless you have any um final parting words this is the end of our episode Yes, no, this okay. is it. So please go check us out on all of our socials at Play Choices Podcast on Instagram, um, at Play Choices Pod on, t- on Twitter. Uh, it's playchoicespodcast.tumblr.com for our Tumblr page, which is where I will post any episode notes. Um, episode notes can include anything from like links to posts that I've mentioned, photos I've mentioned, etc. So if you're just looking for extra content, it will be right there. We will be also posting our um, blank bingo card if you want to play along with us when you listen to the podcast. We are available for listening on literally all major platforms. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps with the algorithm, thing like that, so it does help. You can leave us a voice message at, this is a long URL, and I'll put it in the description too, it's anchor.fm slash play dash choices dot podcast slash message. I will accept responsibility for the length of that u- URL because it's mostly the name of our podcast. <laughs> but <laughs> if you leave us a voice message, we, you know, we could play it in a future episode. So if you have any questions, I'm pretty sure that that allows you to be anonymous. Like you don't have to like give us your name or phone number or even email us, but you could email us too. Wink, wink. If you have any questions, theories, or comments, or anything you just want Lucas and I to read, whether on the podcast or off, please email us at playchoicespodcast at gmail, and we'll try to respond in the next episode. And lastly, if you are interested in directly supporting this podcast, is like I said, we have like a dollar and twenty eight cents in our account right now. <laughs> yeah, we, we're we're trying to buy Snickers, um, including tax. Right, so. we're trying to we're trying to be able to afford the tax on the Snickers. <laughs> also, I would say like if you do donate money, we can put it towards better equipment. Oh, yes. You don't know this because I'm a great editor, so you will not know this. But there, we literally had to stop recording this because my mic gave out. So <laughs> you could buy us, you could help us buy new equipment. <laughs> if you do want to directly support the podcast, it is again anchor.fm slash play dash choices dot podcast slash support again that will be both in our episode notes and the description of this episode so yeah that's that's it for us thank you so much for listening happy valentine's day even though this is going to be a week later (laughs) bye guys